What's up, everybody, and welcome to Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for, hey, it's the right day that we're supposed to be recording, Wednesday, <laughs> May 30th, 2018, documenting this. Uh, if you're hearing this many years later, after uh, all the bombings and everything, and we are left <laughs> remaining ashes and rubble, and that's it, uh, I just wanted you guys to know that me and my co-host Mike really dug a show called Unsolved Mysteries. Mike's here right now. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. I'm I'm doing fine. Um, just uh, trying to find ways to spend my time because I have nothing but free time because I have the summer off, and uh, so I'm trying to get better habits in terms of not sleeping in so late. So I'm working on it. My cat's helping too because my cat's like, dude, get the fuck up and feed me. I I don't I don't care. I really don't. Just feed me. You've <laughs> you've been spanking your monkey. <laughs> so um but yeah uh, i'm gonna get started on uh, i'm gonna write a uh, get started on a book that i want to write next month uh but uh, this month i kind of want to just do a few things uh try to catch up some, with some stuff on my youtube channel and um just been kind of chilling I, I think my mom's getting really irritated though but i don't think it's necessarily with me it's kind of a uh kind of something where she's taking it out on me because of some other stuff that's going on uh so um but it is what it is i've considered i've looked through jobs and there's and i'm like maybe i might fill out a couple applications i don't know we'll see where it goes but i kind of like the idea of having free time to work on things but i don't know we'll see um either way uh and also to do the podcast which you know i i really think uh definitely it's worth doing and if I got a job, it may it would make it harder to schedule. Yeah, uh, you. But we could probably make it work out. Yeah, we'd make it work. We 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 would uh, work it out. But um, yeah, for the time being, like podcasts, my job, YouTube's my job, uh, writing a book's a job. Project is supposed to be for my dad, but he hasn't done anything to really give me anything to work with yet. So um, can't really do much with that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I decided to, these are both my picks, uh, for today's, uh, episode. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what? I yeah. guess it doesn't matter how I'm doing in life. Oh, no, no. I, oh, go ahead. Geez, Mike. Sorry. I, mean, I, you, I know you're trying to. you would have learned by you now. Told me, you told me you're like, we got to get through this faster to, tonight. Mike, tonight, I'm, I'm you grooming know? you. I'm grooming you. <laughs> so one day when you meet a nice young lady, you'll, you'll, you'll understand the, the give and take in conversation. <laughs> I've been training you this whole time. Your mom's been is, paying me on the side through th PayPal. This is, this is one of the first, uh, you know, uh, fails I've done in that regard. So uh, I guess it's, there's the first time for everything. Oh, but yeah, I'm sure. How, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, go through the past episodes and, and listen for, count the amount of times Mike's asked me about my day. Yeah, uh, if... if I did it last episode. I know I did that. Uh, no, I'm just or the episode I'm just, before that. Just fucking with you, Mike. <laughs> I think our our uh, our rhythm is. I go, hello, welcome to episode blah blah blah. I'm covering unexplained mysteries. How are you doing, Mike? Mike tells me how we're doing. I say a little bit about myself. Then we get on the episode. So I'm just teasing you right now. But uh, no, I'm not really doing. Uh, I'm not really doing anything. So why would you do? So, so you're so you're like poo in that uh, new trailer for Christopher Robin, where he's like, I'm really good at doing nothing. <laughs> Or something um, like 
Uh, I'm like Pooh. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how you're you're searching through my internet history. I really wish you'd cut it out. I feel very my privacy feels very violated uh, right now. But no, I'm I'm not okay. doing anything, Mike. I don't know why you would derail the whole podcast to ask me how I was doing. That that was kind of unprofessional because <laughs> we're trying to do a podcast, and I told you I was on a time thing, and I don't know why you're asking me. How I'm doing? I was just uh, really rude. Well, I will say though, um, I watched a video recently on YouTube, Mike, and this is this is like this is some like you're a really hardcore fan of ours if you even like understand or get this reference. So I hear uh-huh. sounds everyone tuning out right now. On our group a long time ago, somebody posted a meme, okay, and it was a meme that that every you know most people have already seen it a hundred times, and then somebody commented saying, "Don't pollute the this group with a bunch of normie memes." And he used the oh, word God. normie. Yeah. And, and I'm like, what? I don't even know what a normie is. Well, uh. I did some research <laughs> on online and turns out I am a fucking normie, Mike. Yeah, I am too. I admit it, though. <laughs> Apparently, a normie is, is just a normal person that doesn't, you know, that isn't all on like the, the dark. They're not wrapped up in meme, meme culture. Yeah. But I feel like I feel like that applies to like society too like i feel like when i go out into like the more hipstery parts of my town like i feel like a normie then too because like i see all the hipsters and seems like they're all coming to downtown portland sometimes oh i can only imagine (laughs) it just feels like everybody is in on something that i'm not in on and it's like i'll try to like talk to these people and make jokes and shit and i guess they're so edgy they're not allowed to laugh at anything you know and uh-huh. I'm, I just feel like, okay, well, that's my time, folks. My that's name's kind Jeff. of how I felt like when I was taking some film classes before and I make references and, and a lot of them, because it, it's not a mainstream reference. So they're like, what? I don't, I don't know what well, you're no, talking that, about. That doesn't make you a normie, Mike. That makes you an outsider if you're dropping references uh, no one knows. Outsider. Yeah. Anyway, I uh, just wanted to throw that little tidbit in there. I was just thinking about that the other day when I happened to catch... Um, the video about normies, so uh, that that is is actually is actually what we are. So uh, no, these um yeah, that's not necessarily a bad thing though. I mean, there's a lot of people who actually left meme culture that are like, I'm glad to be a normie now because I just became obsessed with meme culture. Like some people, they were so socially awkward that when they found memes and this meme culture, it enabled them to have this ability to be able to interact with people better and to have something that they could tie themselves to and that led them down the road of just being obsessed with memes and just constantly all about the memes and constantly hanging around on 4chan and all these other places and so on and so forth and then it eventually it became toxic and then later on, they realize and they're like, wow, I got to get out of this because this isn't going to lead me anywhere in life. Being so, being cool and edgy and all that, it just seems like stressful to me. Like it'd be a lot of work, you know, like you're always having yeah. to like worry about like, oh, did, w- w- was that not a cool enough response? Did I not post a cool enough gif to their their comment? Yeah. You know, like I'm just like, fuck it, man. I'm not cool. I'm not cool. <laughs> you know, the music I do is the music I do. The YouTube shit I do is what I do. It's what I like doing. I do it all for me and yeah. if people happen to like it then good if not that's exactly whatever how I feel. I'm not riding really some care. wave I'm not riding some trend I'm not yeah, I'm fucking not hip 
So that's the podcast you're listening to right now. <laughs> Equally uncool. We're two squares. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. De- Mike's got the dad jokes on deck, and then I've just got the <laughs> I've got the uh, the the junior high schooler who never grew up jokes on deck as well. Never graduated. You're like you're still you're still in high school, like the, the high schooler who's still in uh twelfth. You know, he's still in. Are you uh, trying to say grade. that I'm attracted to fifteen year old girls, Mike? No, I'm not. Why don't we get to the unsolved mysteries here? Because uh, I yeah. clearly don't do well when I'm going off the top of my head. I don't want to pull. No. I don't want to pull a Roseanne Barr after all. <laughs> oh, got him on another topic. He can't be stopped. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I chose the episodes like I said earlier, um, which is normally not the case. Usually, we uh, collaborate. Um, I just thought that this would be a fun thing to do to talk about some more forbidden segments. And what we mean by forbidden segments is segments that did not end up on Amazon. And we talked about a couple before. We talked about the Gulf Breeze UFO and, and, and Terra Calico. But these two are some really excellent segments. And uh, we were actually able to watch them thanks to a good friend of ours. We're not gonna name, we're gonna name names or whatever, but uh, they're they're actually on YouTube, and you can check it out. Uh, some of the links and stuff like that on our group. With all that being said, yeah, I was just about to tie into the group. If you want to join our group, if you're a fan of unsolved mysteries, if you're a fan of our podcast, um, you can find us at Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries on Facebook. Just go to the group section and just do that. Don't even worry about liking the stupid fan page because they're worthless and Facebook has uh, just totally screwed that whole thing up. So uh, join the group. The group is the bomb. I love our group. Uh, Breaking news on Unsolved Mysteries events, interactivity, bunch of normies in there that won't judge you for posting anything, you know? Because sometimes you join a Facebook group and you're like, geez, I'm intimidated to even make a post because people yeah. are just going to tear me <laughs> apart because I'm not in the click. There's no click. I I am like the click destroyer in that group. If I see a click being formed, I'm like, nope, not in my house. Get out of here with that <laughs> trash. You're all, you're all accepted and welcome to post things, no matter how inept you might be at typing sentences. Ooh, wow. I'm not calling out anybody specifically. I'm, I'm just saying there's no like requirement of any kind of you know, just be respectful is all I ask and be kind and rewind. Don't be a dick. But no, these segments that Mike picked uh were were really good. I mean, I watched them. And it's like it's like vintage like unsolved mysteries. It's what everybody loves about this show. Whenever you think about unsolved mysteries and you think like just that intangible factor, that X factor that unsolved mysteries has. Both of these segments have that. I mean, it probably helps that these are both earlier segments yeah, in the show. Yeah, it's like from the first couple seasons. Yeah. So, yeah. Back when, like, you know, that it had that, the film just had that soft, like, film grain type look to it. And just, it just, I don't know, man. It just. Well, also the fact that the ones we watched were VHS rips. So that's another thing, too. It added. Yeah, but I swear the show, the show looked like that when it, it aired, though, too. I remember. Yeah. 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 But it looked a little bit cleaner and crisper on uh, the DVDs oh, with the segments absolutely. and on Amazon. Yeah, they absolutely cleaned up the DVDs. And they, they cleaned up the Amazon episodes even more. Yeah. For better or for so, worse. So um, the first forbidden segment is the case of Joe Owens. 
and this was a mysterious, like a like a missing persons case on, on the uh, episode on the segment. And it was one of those longer ones too. Like both of the ones we talked that we're going to talk about were longer, like close to twenty minutes long. So there there was a good amount of information. Um, so I'm just going to give you a rundown, basically, of the Joe Owens case. 70-year-old 70, 70 Joe Owens and his 79-year-old wife, Gladys, were elderly residents of Seattle, Washington. One evening in September of 1989, Joe called his nephew and told him that he was going to commit suicide because of a life-threatening cancer. It was colon cancer. And he also said that Gladys had done so several months earlier, that she had died, she... Uh, Actually, I don't know if he said suicide. He said that, she, yeah, he, yeah, he did. He said she overdosed some barbiturates. Yeah. And he planned to commit suicide near where she was buried. Uh, uh, his nephew called the police and a search began for him. Now, right off the bat, like, that would be a really weird call to get from <laughs> from your uncle or something. Like, what, what's like, nephew, right? No, I'm trying to think of, like, nephew. Like, what does that relate to? Um, I thought it was his son. I, I could no, be wrong. I, I think I it was it, his. I think it was his nephew. Okay. I guess he doesn't have any sons. I guess not. <laughs> or, or or anything like that. Probably for but the best. Yeah, after we find out more about. This. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but that would be a strange call, a very surreal call to get from somebody in your family, and I don't know what the, what I would think about it. See, I don't necessarily see the assisted suicide thing or, or you know, especially if you're going to have some really horrible death, uh, slow death. Like, I could see why maybe somebody would want to end it before they had to go through that. But it's just, I, I don't know, it's just something that you, there's nothing that you could possibly do to prepare for that kind of phone call. So, and the reenactment of is stellar as usual like they picked the right actors and everything for this particular segment and even when he's making the phone call it's got the unsolved mysteries atmosphere like it's all shadowy yeah, and it's yeah. like dark oh man <laughs> it just reminds me of being at my grandparents old house and like it their house looked exactly like that and just bring back all those warm fuzzy nostalgic feelings but it's creepy and dark subject matter, too. So it's like yes. this awesome mixture of uh, feelings uh -huh. as I'm watching this. So his nephew called the police and a search began for him. A witness came forward saying that he had asked her to take him to an area where he told his nephew he planned to take his own life, which was, I believe, somewhere in the woods. Uh, search dogs, bloodhounds, however, could not find out where he may have went. Because they actually had the bloodhounds. There was like five, like two different bloodhounds or five different bloodhounds or something. And they went through, into the woods. They had the scent from a, one of Joe's uh, pieces of clothing. And they all ended up back where they started. They could not. The dogs just, they all, and they all went separate directions. And they all ended up back in the parking lot. So that went nowhere. Nobody had any idea what may have happened to him until they looked more into his and Gladys's disappearances. He spent most of his time in the garden while she went off to uh, do piano lessons. And that's an interesting dynamic because usually from what you've heard in the media or in other things or the, the stereotype 
that 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 goes on is that it's going to be the wife that's going to be the one in the garden all the time. But this is the opposite. It's it's the husband who was in the garden all the time and was obsessed with gardening. And they even show a bit of the, of uh, a bit a moment in the reenactment where it just shows he doesn't give a shit about his wife anymore. Yeah, like she shows up. <laughs> and he's in his garden trimming the flowers or whatever, and his wife shows up, and she's all like, "Joe, Joe," and, and he just does not give a shit. He's, he's just like, ignoring the the hell out of her, you know. Yeah. And Robert Stack even narrates it's basically like they live separate lives, you know. As- and you can definitely see why. And she, even though uh, Joe has earned a lot of money through his real estate over the years. She doesn't seem to get a lot of that. And like her spending money comes from her piano lessons and they interview the piano teachers and uh, they all sing Gladys's praises. And one of, one of them was mentioning uh, her as if she was like a, a piano teacher from the twenties, you know, a <laughs> little bit of, a little would, bit of rouge on the cheek. Yeah. And she, you know, comes in, she's this old lady and she was always really nice to the kids and, you know, blah, 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 and the, the stuff, you know, she wasn't exactly teaching them how to play Raining Blood by Slayer or anything like that <laughs> on piano. She was teach- Although that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, she was teaching them, um, you know, just these kind of hymn-sounding hymn piano yeah. things, which... Just, just, just the basics. Yeah. So they would barely spend time with each other, and at 4 p.m. on March 14th of 1989, she taught a young girl named Katie Dunham, and it would be the last time that she would do so. After Gladys was last seen, Joe began digging a hole in their backyard. Now, before that, this these events are even shown in the segment. I love how Robert Stack mentions that this was like something straight out of a Hitchcock film, like something straight from Alfred Hitchcock. It was. I thought that was a nice. It was definitely. <laughs> so um, Joe began digging a hole in their backyard, which he claimed was for a compost box, but. The neighbors were like, that's one deep fucking compost box. <laughs> no, they, were, they, didn't, they didn't put in that word, but, you know, that's, that's just how I talk. Deal with it. But anyway. <laughs> uh, but the whole thing with uh, the compost box, they're just like, that's just unusual. And it is. Like, it was super deep, way deeper than any compo- compost box needs to be. And... Even the neighbors are like, why? And it's like, well, I want to, I don't even want to take all your leaves from your uh, tree and everything and all of that. And it's like, how many f- leaves? It's like, what? it's funny. What I like about it, it, it the segment and, and, and the thought that it put in my head was like, when, when does somebody do, you know, somebody who lives in your neighborhood, you see their everyday mundane tasks they do. When does yeah. when does the the norm get broken? At what point does the norm shatter? And you're like, wait, that's not normal. Like when he was digging the hole, maybe when he was like ankle deep, they were like, oh, okay, whatever, he's digging a hole. But then it like shows in the reenactment he is like to his like head basically into the, into yeah. this hole, and all you see is his head, and and they're like. <laughs> Some, at this point, something weird is happening, you know, and I don't, yeah. I, thought, I just thought that was funny. Cause and then I love how he's like, take a picture. <laughs> it's like, take a picture of me in my uh, 
death box. No, he was playing it off. You know, he, <laughs> my murder, my murder compost uh, box over here. He was playing it off really well because you know, yeah, he's like, yeah, you see all those trees around here. He's like, I want every single one of your leaves, you know, for this compost like, box. Th that isn't even really gonna fill that compost box. Like, I mean, there it depends on how how big those trees are. With that being said, though, that totally does sound like something conceivable that an old person would do who has yeah, infinite maybe. infinite time on their hands before they die they that's some shit my grandparents totally would have done when my grandma was still alive well, and lived with well, my, grandpa. my grandmother she has a compost pile but it's nowhere near that deep oh see my grandfather he would have he would have done some shit like that like we had this burn pit uh or they did and this burn pit was like a rancor dungeon like out of star wars or something it was huge <laughs> it was huge and and like he would like put all this brush and shit in this pit and then he would like dump gas on it and you know Damn. yeah you can't you know you, you never know man old people they get uh, squirrely in those older years and they're just like you know fuck it i'm gonna get into i want to get in a little bit of uh mischief here i'm gonna build yeah. a crazy compost heap and and by the way any compost heap I've ever experienced, it, it's always been above ground. It's just a, a pile yeah, in the backyard. Yeah, it's never been. Yeah, it's never been underground. That's what was very uh, mysterious for me. Was the whole he's he's digging a compost burial plot, basically. <laughs> I mean, it does make sense if you're going to compost and you want your yard to stay looking nice and neat. It does kind of make sense that you would build a, a deep pit to throw it in instead of it. Yeah. Like, forming a mountain in your backyard of rotten eggshells and coffee grounds. Uh-huh. But it might be harder for you to get the compost out of there and use it for other purposes in the yard if you just have it in some hole in the ground. Eh, I don't know. But, that's you know, not, either, way, either way, that's not why he ha he was building this no, pit. No, <laughs> he, he was not building this for compost. <laughs> well, maybe he was. Maybe he thought, like, oh, like, I build this and then I use it as a compost pit, then, you know. Other things will, it won't will be decompose. Suspicious. Other things yeah, can decompose besides it, coffee grounds. Exactly. It's it's almost so, like uh, the secret window, like the jo the Johnny Depp yeah. movie, is like kind of the end there. Spoilers. So uh, when the parents of our piano students begin asking about her whereabouts, because uh, they pay Gladys ahead of time for the month of uh, piano lessons. And so they're like, what's going on? And apparently uh, they uh, one of them called Joe and then asked for a refund. And he's like, I'm not giving you any refunds. It's not happening. Like, I don't see any records of anything that you paid in advance. And... I love the reenactment because it's just so over the top. Like the guy's clearly just—he's trying so hard to be angry. Yeah, and, and he's it's... trying to be angry. The <laughs> actor who is portraying Joe is trying to be angry about something that is very menial that that someone yeah. wouldn't really get that angry about. So he's like, "This is ridiculous. My records don't show it. If you want, I can come to your house. I will bring my records. We can compare notes." Yeah, and the way he even hangs up, I love. He's just like, Ugh. there. You can't even angrily hang up the phone nowadays. Like, no. it's you, how you gonna you gonna angry press the end call button on your cell phone? <laughs> I think I think work. the only thing you can really do to angrily hang up now is you can just kind of like 
like swat your hand down with the phone still in it and act like you're going to throw it on the ground, but you don't because you realize it's like a thousand dollar piece of technology. <laughs> so you're just like, I got anger that I can't put into this fucking plastic phone like I used to be able to. Yeah. So um, he te- then he actually comes to the house later of this, uh, the the mother of the child who's who had a piano lessons that were paid for. And he actually does give the mother or a refund check. And he has a totally does, different like change of yeah. heart too. He's got a different attitude, changed his tune and Yeah. And uh then he starts telling like multiple different stories to these uh, uh piano mothers. Yeah. So he's just like uh Gladys was visiting her ill one year hundred year old mother in Wakita, Kansas. Uh and, or no, she was in, at an arthritis clinic in Canada. Uh, no, she actually was still with her mother buying antiques in Kansas. It's just like, none of these stories matched up. And so the parents got understandably worried, and they were very uncertain about what to do next. So, uh, they eventually decided to, I think they were the ones that eventually put in some... They filed a missing persons report on Gladys Gladys. there. Yeah, in the reenactment, like, after the mom gets the check back for the repayment or whatever for the lessons that she never got she started asking about gladys they're like sitting at this kitchen table and she's like so what when is gladys coming back and you know is she even coming back you know to to seattle and he's like well yeah of course she's coming back to seattle but to think that she's gonna start teaching piano again that that that's just not gonna happen she's an, an old woman and blah 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 and he started getting angry again when she yeah, and then, I, I like the interview with the the mother and in, in, later where she's like, I think he just hated the music. <laughs> yeah, some old people like, get that way. Like if somebody was even playing the piano in the background, he would get irritated about it. Um, I, I think the music represented the failing marriage, and I think that's the main thing. But a lot of that's his own damn fault for being so fucking obsessed with his garden. And ignoring his wife. Well, who knows why he actually, like, killed her? You know, who knows, uh, yeah. like, what the motivation was. But, I mean, it's it reminds me of, like, the Telltale Heart or something like that. The, mu- yeah. the music reminded him of the beating heart that was under the floorboard, you know? Like, yeah. look at me dropping uh, literary references here. Jeez, I, I'm... Uh... I'm not as so, dumb as I thought uh, at, I was. At around that time, Joe was also having cement poured in his backyard and doing some really weird-ass patio. <laughs> like, what the hell was that? He just put, like, a little bit of concrete in the middle of the yard, and there was, like, dirt around it. He, it was it, like it literally looked like the Tetris piece <laughs> that was, like, you know, the, the three... Uh, sides or whatever and it forms like an e if you took away the top and bottom parts where the e extends so it's just like a parallel line with like something poking out in the middle that's just that's pretty much what the patio and it was like right in the middle of his backyard it didn't come off the the house like a patio normally does which that in itself is not so weird but yeah i don't know but then it's like I don't know. It was like in the middle of the yard. Like it was, there wasn't like, it, that's what it looked like to me. Like it, it was, yeah. It didn't connect to the rest of the house. It, it looked clearly like somebody was trying to cover something up. And that's why the police showed up later and were like, okay, we're going to check this out. Like what is underneath this uh, suspicious looking cement patio? 
Um, isn't that similar to the patio, the cement patio that was put up in that other case that we talked about? Bonnie Haim. Yeah. Yeah. It was very similar. And she was so, actually under that patio. Yeah, she was actually under that patio. But that's not the case here. So the two parents, they contacted police and they reported Gladys as a missing person. On September 6th, an officer came to the Owens home and, and talked to Joe about her disappearance. He, however, told him that she was not missing and that she was in Canada. A few hours after the talk with the officer, Joe called his nephew about his plans of killing himself. Police then searched through the Owens home. They found that all photographs of the end of and papers about him were gone. Uh, so the police understandably suspected foul play. A search began in the backyard, but at first nothing was located. Um, I love that in this this uh, reenactment, they actually have a real heavy-duty uh, backhoe. I think it's a backhoe. Yeah, I think so. And, and they're just actually digging up somebody's yard or something. Yeah, they like for this reenactment, they had to actually pour concrete into this backyard, wait for it to dry, form like a legit base for what would be a patio. Then they take a backhoe in, and, the, and it uses its big arm... Like it's big dumpy arm thing. God, I'm stupid. And it like <laughs> breaks the concrete apart and they like dig up, you know, like under the patio and they don't find anything. So, uh, but then they continue to search and they go to the compost box and that's where they found Gladys's remains inside. Uh, her head was wrapped up in like a towel and there's also a towel wrapped around her waist and there's, it was all taped up and everything. And then the police went in into her room and they found blood on a pillow and on the doorway. Because apparently Joe was not smart enough to make sure that all of the pillows were cleaned or taken care of or, you know, I'm just going to flip. It looked like it was just he flipped it over. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, that's, <laughs> this one has blood on it. I'm just going to turn it over. They're not going to, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to notice. But I, I don't think. He had gone missing anyway uh, later on afterwards. After all this was happening, he wasn't there. So he was probably under the assumption that, well, I'm going to get caught anyway, but I'm going to be dead, so it's not going to matter. So I, I guess that's I guess that's how that ended up still being there. Um, this led police to believe that Joe had killed his wife while she was sleeping and then buried her body in the compost box. Now, the reenactment doesn't show any gunfire or anything. It just shows the actor who play, who's playing Joe show up in a dark bedroom. And it doesn't even look like he even has a gun in his hand. Like, they're saying it, 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 she was shot in the back of the head. That's how she died. And they said it was done with a twenty two uh, caliber bullet, uh, which is that fits with a gun that Joe actually owned. So in the reenactment, they show him walk up and then they they cut to the next shot and she's already dead and she's got a, something wrapped around her head. And then he, drag, he carries her through the door. And this whole thing is like, why did he kill her? I don't under it, it was this like one of those things where it was a crime of passion. He got upset and then shot her. But like if it was one of those things, he shot her when she was asleep. That doesn't really tie in with the crime of passion thing. It seems like he premeditated this. And even the cops believe that because he started digging for this compost bot hole, uh, this compost box, uh, 
in January, like when the when the earth was still frozen, when the, the dirt was still really hard, and a lot of people don't do it then because it's a pain in the ass. So he clearly had planned this ahead of time. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah, it's it's tough to say because all we're really given is like a snapshot in time of this event mm. that happened in these two people's lives. And we're, we're not getting, given anything about this guy's background. We're not given anything about her background, you know, anything of like super significance. Um, so it's really like this snapshot of here's a thing that one person did to another person and her body was found and that's it. <laughs> and that's all we that's all that's really said about it. It doesn't yeah. really go into the psychology of this guy or no. You know, which is I think maybe it was one of those things where he got tired of her or something, or maybe already had sociopathic tendencies to begin with. I mean, because look at how easily he did this. It doesn't but then he ended up killing himself. So maybe it could have been an instance of he was Maybe he was starting to slip mentally a little bit. Maybe you had the sort of uh, the incoming uh, Alzheimer's or some sort of other mental sort of things. And that played a factor into what he ended up doing. I I, I don't know for sure. I mean, because the thing that he, he killed himself. So clearly he had some remorse for it, I think. Right. He would think or. I don't know. Or, or he was be... he actually or did he actually have cancer? Did he actually have the cancer and he didn't want to see her go through uh the the torture of seeing him die, but then it's again, why would you kill her? Like that doesn't But then again, if he was a sociopath, he that's how he would think. Like, oh, you know, I'm not gonna put her through that. So I'm gonna kill her. And then I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> yeah. You know, because a lot of say. sociopaths, they're, they're selfish like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's, it's a very mysterious case. No pun intended. Um, apparently, though, uh, a few weeks after his story aired, Joe Owen's remains were found by two hikers. He had apparently committed suicide by shooting himself in the head. A gun was found with his remains. The remains were found 30 miles east of Seattle. And after the remains were identified, police closed the cases of his disappearance and Gladys's murder. And I think that might be why the case is not featured on Amazon. But at the same time, it's like there are a lot of other cases that are on Amazon that were closed, too. So I, it's one of those things. Maybe it's the family was like, we don't want to be associated with this anymore type thing. Want to bring up uh, old wounds or or bad memories i mean that's but, that's like straight up family like guarded family secret level shit yeah um so that that uh that's definitely something i could see people not wanting you know, the family not wanting that to get out you know that's like the, yeah. the closely guarded family secret you know but it's a great segment though it is and that's really all i have to say about the case of Joe Owens. Uh, the next case is uh, an equally mysterious case, and is the case of Doyle Wheeler. Doyle, Doyle Wheeler. Doyle, first of all, is the weirdest name I think. Uh, it, it, as far as like English names go, or Western names, I don't I've know. heard weirder names, but Doyle's right. up there is a pretty, pretty bizarre name. Doyle. Have you seen some of the names of some of the football players? <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, 
But I mean, Doyle Esquimius, es- Esquimius Saint Brown or something. Yeah, really. It's <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that does sound like that sounds more like a something your stomach would do if you ate a bad burrito or something like a Esquimius. <laughs> but Doyle, that's not just sounds like a sound effect. Like Doyle, Doyle, Doyle. Anyway, uh, that was stupid. I might edit that out. Probably will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So a former San Diego police officer, Doyle Wheeler, was charged of handling the San Isidro McDonald's massacre that occurred on... I mean, I must be saying that. Isidro? San Isidro? Yeah, I'm going to say San Isidro. I, 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 th- I think you're saying it right. And it, this this was a really brutal massacre. And uh, Doyle himself was uh, actually in charge uh, he's the one that he was the order. He was the guy who was ordering things. Yeah. Um, so this this massacre occurred on July eighteenth, nineteen eighty four. You know, it's sad. It's like there's so many massacres in our country that like just they can they can get brushed under the rug because I've never even heard of this. And it's it was a a lot of people died and it just, it happened here on our soil and it's just like yeah well, you know because if this was. If this was a more safer place or people weren't as insane, this would be like you'd hear you'd be reading about this in history books because, oh, one of the few massacres that happened in the United States was in 1984 in San Ysidro. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, unfortunately, there's so many that this one gets buried underneath all the other ones that happened. So anyway, the assailant, James Cuberty, killed 21 people and wounded three others in the restaurant. It was a McDonald's restaurant, by the way. Yeah. So Doyle ordered the SWAT team to fire on Huberty. However, there's there was a delay of 25 minutes before the order was carried out. Doyle believes that at least four people died as a result of this delay. Despite the fact that he was not responsible for the delay, Doyle blamed himself and received great mental anguish from the incident. Fucking understandable. I would yeah. too. Um, in March of the thing, the thing is like later on, you'll see one of his, uh, other police officers that worked with him who comes across as a shady motherfucker. Um, he is trying to buff it up. Oh, he, you know, he, he, he's, oh, he felt anguish or whatever. Like he's just some troublemaker or something. And it's like one of those things that's like, dude, you don't understand why somebody in that position would feel like shit and, f- and feel serious mental anguish and then uh, actually try to kill themselves like dude yeah well that his his police compadre um is not somebody <laughs> i'm a huge fan of um and, and we'll get to why yeah. so in march of 1985 doyle attempted suicide a few months later in october he retired from the department with a stress-related disability on April 24th, 1986, Doyle was brought out of retirement by a subpoena. He had been called to testify at a murder trial. The defendant was a 22-year-old black man named Sagon Penn. He was accused of killing Officer Thomas Riggs and wounding an, uh, another officer, Donovan Jacobs. The defense claimed that Jacobs had beat Penn severely with a nightstick before he grabbed Jacobs' gun and fired in self-defense. Some suspected that the incident was racially motivated. Doyle testified against Jacobs, claiming that Jacobs was an aggressive racist who had a particular dislike for African-American suspects. 
Well, now Jacobs himself later, of course, recants this and tr- disputes it. And what's the reason why this is this case is not on Amazon is apparently uh, Jacobs himself tried to sue, and now he's a lawyer. So uh, yeah, th- th- that was pro- this segment was probably never going to end up on Amazon because of that. Oh wow! But at the same time, it's one of those things. It's like. Uh, he thinks that the show painted him in a negative light or something. And I'm looking at from Doyle. I mean, Doyle is a cop. They're they're not supposed to turn in their other you know brethren or whatever. But he's also supposed to uphold the law. And I don't see this guy as a guy who would lie on the stand and just make shit up. Like it's one of those things. that's like I I think he said. I think he was telling the truth. I I you know it's one of those things. Like what what does he have to gain by lying on the stand that? Jacobs was a racist. Absolutely nothing. So, this is not a new topic. This is not a new thing at all. Um, It's crazy to see this in the 80s. You know, it was this kind of stuff was, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff that we're dealing with to this very day is uh, what was going on in the courtrooms back then. But surprisingly enough, you know, um the the Sagon Penn was um was acquitted because mm-hmm. of this. So it's cool it's cool to see that even even as um I guess primitive as racial relations might have been in the 1980s compared to maybe now or maybe they're the same and I'm being naive. I don't know, but it's cool to see that you know, black men, black people in general were still able to get acquitted every now and then when there was a racist cop, you know, involved, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to get into all that. So he claimed that Jacobs had been written up for police brutality and other incidents against minorities. Jacobs denied this as he would. You could get the Grand Dragon from the KKK in court and accuse him of being a racist and he's going to deny it. Yeah. If you're on if you're on the stand, you're not going to say, "Yeah, I'm a racist. I don't like black people." You, you know, you're not going to do that. Your chances no. of getting let off will be diminished. You will lose the court case. So, of course, he's going to deny it. Jacobs denied, you know, he denied it and he claimed that Doyle was lying. However, other San Diego officers also came forward testifying that Jacobs did exhibit racist attitudes. So that's not just Doyle who's saying, it's other San Diego police officers. Penn was later found not guilty of the charges and was released. In June of 1986, Doyle and his family left San Diego for Suncrest, Washington in order to escape the controversy of both the McDonald's massacre and the Sagon Penn trial. You know, it's pretty bad when you have to like move to a different fucking state. Because, uh, you know, something involving your job just got so out of hand, you know. So Doyle claimed that on April 19th, 1988, at least three unidentified men broke into his home. One of the men pulled a gun on him as he was working on the refrigerator in his kitchen. A second man put a rope around his neck. They then forced him into one of his bedrooms. While this was happening, Doyle heard the third man upstairs ransacking the house. And this uh, segment did a excellent job with this reenactment, like with the physical aspects of it and just the... I mean, just these random people just breaking in, grabbing the rope, just dragging them around. Yeah, they really did. Yeah, and they were, you know, 
good actors and all that, you know. The assailants told him that he was going to write a suicide note. When he refused, they physically assaulted him. They punched him, kicked him, put cigarettes out on his chest and back. However, when they threatened to kill Doyle's children, he agreed to write the note. It read, To the San Diego police, I lied at the trial about Donovan Jacobs in the police department. I'm sorry. I make this statement of my own free will. Doyle F. Wheeler. That's a terrible, like, suicide note. Like, and that just reeks of police corruption or something. It really does. It reeks of these these thugs were hired by someone in the police department, whether it was Donovan Jacobs or somebody even higher, or somebody who wanted to, uh, he wanted to get to Jacobs, but he did it through Doyle. Um, and, or, or one, is this one of those things that's like wanted to make it look like Jacobs set up something? Because that could have been, there could have been a third party involved here. uh, Jacobs could have been innocent, but um, I I think I I definitely think there's a possibility he could have been guilty. But at the same time, this is just a really terrible suicide note. There's no reference to his wife and kids. There's no anything like that. Um, So, I mean, I've never written a suicide note, but if I were and the main thing I was trying to get off my chest was lying in the courtroom to make this other guy look bad. I probably would have said like what my motivation was. I'm sorry I lied. You know, the other police officer, uh, I just felt like, you know, he was living the life that I never was able to Uh and I was jealous of it. I don't know. It seems like he would have... Well, apparently they don't have a good relationship, uh, Jacobs and Doyle. Well, no, I know. Uh, I'm just saying saying that in that made-up scenario that I just spun, Mm -hmm. you know, he would... There would at least be some kind of, you know... That's like a note that's like going to the store for milk, be back in five minutes. That's Uh that's like the kind of tone that this note has. Very matter-of-fact. And it isn't even... And and going back with the whole thing with the uh, the sort of uh, the relationship between the two, like it wasn't just between Jacobs and Wheeler. It was between Jacobs and like a good chunk of the same police department. Apparently, like they were not fans of Wheeler. And there was even like a uh, instance where they, when Wheeler was was let go or he fired, he quit or whatever, they had this unofficial party celebrating, you know, his release. Oh, wow. So after he finished writing the note, Doyle was taken to the basement. The assailants tied his hands and feet together. The dark-haired man went upstairs, presumably to talk to the third man. He then returned and made a phone call from the phone in the basement. After that, the man returned and told Doyle that they were going to make his death look like a drug deal gone wrong. The men then placed a pillow over his head and shot him. Fortunately, Doyle moved his head enough so that the bullet only grazed the side of his head. There's a, there's a few things in this that make me feel like he could have staged it. Um, that, yeah, that being but one there's of them. A lot of, there's a lot of other things, though, that just seem like it's way too implausible. Yeah. Like hog tying yourself, shooting yourself, or having. But I mean, you could have the whole thing where maybe some, he hired somebody to shoot him. Oh, uh, I already but, I already wrote in my notes before yeah. doing this. I already wrote in my notes that this is like the male Cindy James. Like, <laughs> th- th- like <laughs> I just don't know, you know, like it's hard to say. So anyway, once he heard the men drive away, Doyle struggled to make his way to the laundry room. Once inside, he was able to pull the phone off the table with his foot, and then he used his tongue to dial 911. And this is a rotary phone. Yeah. So... 
Yeah, for anyone out there who doesn't know, a rotary phone is the phones with the little circle, the dial in the middle. And you, Are you sure it was a rotary? I thought it might have been one of the buttons. No, it was front. a rotary phone. I specifically remember okay. it was a rotary phone, the reenactment. So that meant, that would have meant that he would have had to have crammed his tongue in the crevice, one of the crevices of this, this rotary knob and used his head strength or tongue strength or whatever to turn it all the way to nine and then to the one, which wouldn't have been that hard. I've used a no. rotary phone maybe twice in my entire life when I was real young as a kind of like a curiosity. Well, maybe that's just the phone they used in the reenactment. Maybe the phone he had was the one with the buttons on the that front. That seems like a that pretty big a- detail to 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 fuck up in the reenactment, honestly. Well, sometimes, sometimes you know, they might not know exactly what phone he I mean, I'm pretty he sure had. he could have told them, you know. They, he could have. Pretty sure they consult the the people. You know, they always. That's they might not ask as much questions as you. Mike, might it was think a rotary phone. Just, just, just get used to it. <laughs> get used to the fact that it was a rotary phone. Um. So once he heard the men drive away, he went to the laundry room. Blah blah blah. Uh, a few minutes later, paramedics arrived and he was taken to the hospital. The police department went through the Wheeler home looking for clues. Their master bedroom had been ransacked. The assailant had apparently been looking for one of Doyle's badges. Maybe as a way to show that the job had been done, you know, in, in mm-hmm. Doyle's favor, you know, to show that he's telling the truth. In another room, investigators found the notepad on which Doyle was forced to write. They were able to make out the words San Diego Police and Donovan Jacobs. They immediately called the San Diego Police Chief. He raised a surprising possibility that Doyle may have staged the entire incident. Investigators in Washington looked into the possibility that the crime had been staged. However, they found no evidence to support this theory. See, that's another reason why I don't necessarily believe that this is likely to be something that he staged because other poli- other detectives could not find any evidence to support it. Nah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't have I don't have super strong feelings one way or the other, but like I could see. Basically, I could see where they're coming from for for a few different reasons. Jacobs believed that Doyle staged the attack for attention. Just, just get, Donovan Jacobs is such a dick. He claimed like his the way his he the way he's like his body language when he's being interviewed. It screams lying to me. Yeah, I don't know about you. He has a very sleazy like, kind of like slick sleaziness about him. Like you know, maybe that might have been the editing, and maybe that's why he sued Unsolved Mysteries. I don't know, but it's one of those things that when you look at the footage, and I, I don't, I don't really don't buy that. I don't buy somebody who is like a racist or is some type of person who's done some shady shit is going to be the one to try to sue, to be like, Hey, get this off the air. Like I can't, you know, people can't be seeing this part of me or whatever. You know, that's not who I am, but reality it is, but that doesn't want the mainstream public or people to see that. Um, or maybe he isn't like that, and it was just editing. I mean, Unsolved Mysteries has done some stuff like that, I have to admit. They, like, they try not... their hardest to avoid it, though, I will yeah, say. Yeah, they do try their hardest to avoid it. And I didn't see a lot of things, what, he's going to sue because Doyle said the same thing about him that he said on trial? Like, what is Doyle supposed to say? Oh, no, like, he's not a racist. No, he he he's just he's just uh, collaborating what he said when he was on the stand in at, at the trial to the camera. Uh, and the other stuff with uh, Jacobs, he just comes across as an asshole. I mean, that's just it's just his body language. Um, and he comes across that looks looking like he might be lying. 
His his eyes are all over the fucking place. That's one thing I immediately noticed. Oh, I didn't notice that. So anyway, um, he's like looking over here, like looking over to the right or, or to the left or and then, you know, kind of is not really focusing on the camera or focusing in on a lot of stuff. It, lo it looked really suspicious to me. Donovan Jacobs claimed that Doyle's suicide attempts and testimony at the pen trial were also ways that he, quote, got attention. Uh <laughs> What an insufferable that's a, that's a, ass that, like, to try to go with the whole suicide as just a way to get attention. We, like, even called him a troublemaker. Yeah, we now, we now like, it's pretty much the societal belief now that, that uh, you know, saying somebody is committing suicide just to get attention is, is a hugely dickish thing to say. Yes. Um, Especially after what... Doyle went through like he was there during that massacre and he made the right decision of let's take this guy out and for whatever reason there was a delay and understandably he's gonna feel remorse for that and feel a little guilty that things didn't end up differently uh, and like dude like 21 people died three people were also shot like some of them were cops if I remember correctly so th these might have been people that were that he knew that were on his particular force or whatever, or I don't know if he has like a force or, or anything like that, but this is one of those things like, come on, man, show some fucking sympathy. That immediately is a red flag to me. So, of course, Doyle denied that he, you know, all that stuff was for attention, and he believes that Jacobs and, and or other San Diego officers may have been involved in the attack. So now there's just a whole bunch of mudslinging going on between well, these he's two. He's saying, like, why didn't they, you know, it, and he also ends up, he refuses a lie detector test later. But so does Jacobs. Jacobs doesn't uh, take the test either. Not that that really would have proven anything, but it, it's just one of those things that's like, and he has a right. He's like, well, I'm not going to take it until these other people take it. Yeah. And and then he's saying things like, well, then the other people are like, uh, they don't even want to look into these other people. I mean, honestly, if if I was ever in a situation where they want, where for any reason anybody wanted me to take a lie detector test, I would be incredibly hesitant because I know how my anxiety works. I know how yeah. I, I get crazy thoughts in my head. Like if somebody asked me, like, did you kill him? Like there's a sick part of my brain that would go, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, you killed him. You killed him. Uh -huh. And I'd be like, shut the fuck yeah. up. Like it's just, you know, my brain does weird yeah. shit like that. So I would be very so, hesitant to do a lie detector test yeah, as well. That's understandable. So there are two facts that point to a possible conspiracy involving members of the San Diego Police Department. First, Doyle noted that he recognized the dark haired man as an informant for the narcotics division of the San Diego Police Force. Next, phone records showed that the call made by the dark-haired man was to the narcotics division of the San Diego police. A recording by the department showed that the caller asked for Donovan Jacobs. Jacobs, however, claims that he is being framed for the crime. He believes that Doyle himself placed the call. San Diego officers who heard the call, however, do not believe that Doyle was a caller. Doyle was asked to take a lie detector test, but he refused. He claimed that he didn't take one because the investigators said that they were not going to quote-unquote bother the other suspects about taking the test. Jacobs was also asked to take a lie detector test. He declined. Jacobs believes that Doyle set up the attack. He cited the lack of evidence of forced entry into Doyle's house and stated that he believes Doyle did this for further publicity and to further discredit Jacobs. That's a load of horse shit. 
Despite Jacob's allegations that the attack was staged, several neighbors and eyewitnesses reported seeing at least That's four... That's another thing that, make me, that makes me think that this is legit. Yeah. Is because there are these witnesses. Yeah. Um, these four identified men were around the wheel of home on the day of the attack. Shortly before Paramex arrived at the scene, a neighbor noticed Doyle's car speeding away from the home. That morning, the same neighbor also noticed a suspicious blue Toyota parked in front of his home. Earlier that morning, another local resident noticed a similar car 12 miles from the Wheeler home. The witness noticed four men standing around the car. The day after the attack, Doyle's car was found in the exact same location where the witnesses, or where the witness saw the blue Toyota the day mm. before. And I would also have to say in the interviews with, with Wheeler, like he would have to be like an, a master thespian to pull all of that off. I mean, because that seemed like b real emotion when he's talking about the events and what happened. Yeah. And all of that. Yeah, that's another aspect. When you watch uh, Doyle get interviewed, uh, he's very sincere and he's constantly like, look, he starts looking off to the right like he's getting really upset, like he's about to cry. Yeah. He's not like darting his, his eyes his off. Lower, the his lower lip quivers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'd mean, have to be an amazing actor to pull all that off, and I, I I don't know about that. I think that's a bit much in terms of. And if it was actual police, you know, who were involved, like one of the one of the guys who came in and tried to ass and assault him and make him sign the note, uh, it was a police officer. That's just never going to get solved. It's just a you know case that's never going to get solved ever in a million years. Um. The case is apparently never re-aired, allegedly because Donovan Jacobs sued Unsolved Mysteries over his betrayal in the segment. Um, there's no knowledge of what the outcome of the lawsuit was, um, whether or not it even actually went to court. Um, the fact that the guy is a, is a pretty uh, big lawyer now, uh, like I said earlier, is a big reason why this is probably never going to get aired again. Um, I'm hoping... Uh, you know, we don't end up in any trouble. I don't. I don't think it's 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 public domain. Basically, it's, it's a public case. Um, we're, we're this is this is not something that's this podcast is not going to be aired at national television. Um, but anyway, it's one of those things where I personally believe Wheeler is telling the truth, but I can see why some people might feel that they're that he might have possibly staged it. I don't think that's very likely, though, because of the witnesses, the eyewitnesses who saw the suspicious-looking vehicle. Like, even the neighbors, like, you live in this neighborhood long enough, you get to know what everybody's cars look like. I've never seen that car before. Um, Do you find it at all, like, convenient that neither his wife nor kids were, happened to be home at the time? No. They could have been doing something else. Okay. The wife could have been with the kids going shopping or, you know, that kind of stuff happens a good amount of the time. I, I, would, I mean, really, like sometimes the 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 husband, uh, maybe, you know, they went to go visit somebody, a relative, and the husband didn't want to do it. Like maybe it's one of those things that were having an issue with their, with their relationship at the time because of his, his uh, mental, because he was, you know, he had he, like, tried to commit suicide. He probably is still depressed and still dealing with some stuff. So maybe there's that going on. Um, I can see why you think maybe with the gun and stuff like that, but there have been instances in real cases where people have done something where they, they've miraculously been able to 
only get grazed by a bullet because they went and did you know, they moved their head in a certain way or did a certain thing. So that's that by itself isn't necessarily, my opinion, evidence of uh, something being fixed. I mean, for me, I the theory that I, I read that it could be a third party. That one, I think, might be the one that is the most plausible. Jacobs could have done it, but then again, I mean, he just technically might have a motive because he was he was no longer able to be a cop after the events with with Sagan Penn because uh, he got shot in the arm and then he had to retire uh, because of a physical injury. So um, maybe it's one of those things I'm going to take it out on Wheeler for, you know, Ending Mike, but yeah. th- that doesn't make much sense because his career was already over at that right. point. Right, and then the, then Donovan suggesting that Doyle Wheeler was doing uh, staged all that to get publicity. Why? Yeah. Why would he move to another state? You know, and uproot his family, and then at randomly yeah. decide that oh, I'm gonna hog tie myself up and graze my ear and this that and the other just to get publicity. I mean that that that, that no. makes no sense. So it doesn't. Like so, I I don't necessarily. So I can see why people can look at Jacobs as a possible suspect after watching this segment. Now, um, I, it's one of those things. that's like maybe Unsolved Mysteries did do some stuff. I don't know. I don't have the full master tapes of every single every single uh bit that was a shot for the show. But I don't remember them doing a lot of instances like that where they deliberately set up somebody. But they have done some things and they have left out some stuff. What about the the um, what about the composites of the uh, of the assailants? Good lord, man! Yeah. It's like they got they, they got the porn stashes and everything. These and guys, the greasy hair. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'm looking at this picture. I'm going like, man, like how many WalMarts are they going to have to search through to find these guys? You know? <laughs> like, at least 10 like at least 10 before they uh, find them. i mean geez yeah but the third party thing I, i'm i'm believing that could be the case i think somebody wanted to set up uh not necessarily the wheel possibly both possibly both men um but uh mainly wanted to i think put a a stain on jacobs and so they didn't like jacobs they were in the department they wanted to uh uh ruin him and they decided to try to make make uh make it look like he set up some fake well not really set up it's not really fake but i mean make it look like uh he tried to uh kill doyle wheeler or do this whole drug bust thing but the whole thing and the the reason why is because you you catch that moment where the the people who break into wheeler's house like they go in and take a phone call they they call make a phone call and then they come up with the idea to do the drug drug thing the the failed drug bust or whatever uh yeah i i would think that that there was somebody involved with the department that was on the other end of that phone call that was telling them yeah yeah no suicide is out that's not gonna work let's make it a drug you know a drug thing um but what's interesting is apparently wheeler himself actually did comment on the unsolved mysteries sitcoms online message board and it was a message uh, board a section about the case and and uh, here is his quote here he's like yes I'm alive and while I can't be positive who did this to me I know it was not staged this was in 2008 it ruined my life and continued to keep me from getting any decent work for years all I did was stand up and tell the truth for and for that 
I paid an extremely high price, as did my family. Many interesting things were never reported on the Unsolved Mystery segment, like the informant that came forward and said he received $2,700 and two kilos of coke to arrange the hit on me. SDPD investigated, and that same amount of money was missing from Jacob's roommate's narcotic buy fund, so he was fired. That is a very interesting uh, piece of information. Yeah. However, they maintained that it was just a coincidence that the money matched. Of course. If this was something that the department was in on from the beginning, of course, they're going to be like, oh, it's just a coincidence. I did what I had to do when I testified in the pen case. I had never lied on the stand, and unlike Mark Furman, I was not about to start. Sadly, it was all for naught, as Penn committed suicide, so everything we went through was for nothing. Well, that's too bad. I like how he just randomly I, decided to throw shade at Mark Furman. Yeah. <laughs> I, told the I told the truth, was proven to have told the truth, and nobody cared. People wonder why there is a code of silence among cops. Here's a perfect example. You speak up, you get screwed to the max, and people speculate for years, did he do it to make, make Jacobs look bad? Sure. It makes all kinds of sense that I'd allow someone to hog tie me and put a gun to my head and then pull the trigger to make Jacobs look bad. Sorry, I don't have anything to I have to do anything to make him look bad. Oh, well, I did survive. Now I ride my motorcycle a lot. I'm trying to work on the homeless veteran issue and I make sure and make sure I don't witness anything. Telling the truth is no longer a virtue in this country and it's a very painful handicap. I have no trouble looking in the mirror every morning and know that my honor is intact. I wonder if Jacobs and his buddy Sema could do the same thing. I can't help but laugh at the irony of it. I tell the truth, and it was very obvious to most people that I was telling the truth in Penn case, and my life is destroyed for it. I couldn't find anyone willing to give me a decent job. Mark Furman gets up on the stand, lies his butt off, and gets caught, and ends up making millions for books and is an advisor to CNN and everybody else on the planet. I can't help but think that maybe we send out the wrong message to people once in a while, but then I'm an old fool and believe that men were supposed to be honorable, and then they, and that they were judged by the actions by their actions and deeds. Now we live in a world where you are rewarded for being a liar and a cheat. And I guess I'll never fit in with that. And you may all speculate on my guilt or innocence until your heart is content. I'm pretty much at a point in my life that what other people think of me is meaningless. I'm just an old sick fool and looks back and wonders what might have been if I had been willing to lie in the witness stand. I wish you all a good life. But what, what, what he was really wondering, what he really looks back and wonders is, man, if only Sagon Penn had been O.J. Simpson, <laughs> then I'd really be set up. <sighs> That's pretty cool that he actually like commented and everything on the yeah. message board so we get a little bit more info about that. Um, yeah, man, police corruption, you know, I mean... what. You know, you learn if when you really start looking into all this stuff as you keep up with the show and solve mysteries and true crime in general, you, you see just how much of this stuff is so common. Um, all right. So I'm sorry to say, but that's all the time we have for this week. I am running late to my gig. Um, poor timing, I guess. I, I don't know. Whatever. At least the podcast going to come out when it's supposed to this week instead of like days later. But um, anyway, um, if you want to keep up with me and Mike, you can do so by liking us, uh, liking our YouTube pages. Mine is uh, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. I do video game reviews, TV show reviews, music reviews, anything, uh, skits, sketches, sketches, whatever the fuck. I don't know. 
Last video I did was about a game called Clash Royale, which I think is one of the best cell phone games that you can play. Mike's uh, YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. He mainly reviews movies. And uh, you should go check out his channel. Give it some love. Until next week, um, stay safe, and we will talk to you soon. Oh, yeah, and the T-shirts, uh, they are being delayed right now because I'm um, trying to... I've been working with the screen printing guy here locally, and I want to make sure they come out right and they come out good. So I first design he showed me, the let you couldn't see all the lettering as clear as I would have wanted to. So I was like, nope, nope, not good enough. Not good enough for our tens of fans out there. So uh, those will be coming, and I'll let you know, and I'll let you know how to order them. But uh, until next week, have a good rest of your night. Bye. See ya. What's up everybody, Josh here. Just wanted to let everyone know that my new album, The Nightmare Inside You, is now available on Bandcamp, Spotify, and iTunes. Thank you for any and all support. It means the world to me. I mean, you know, I'm I'm 29. I was born in 1988. I think I was. I think I'm a little too young to caught to catch the whole Thundercats wave. I yeah, don't, I don't, well, so was I. I mean, I never really, I never really watched Thundercats, but even I understand the stupidity of this new Thundercats. First off, you're alienating the the fan base that you're trying to appeal to, the older fans who are the reason why the IP means anything and is still known to anybody to this day by making it a, a just a joke, a comedy cartoon. Second, the if you're trying to appeal to kids, they don't know what the fuck the Thundercats are. So what is even the point? Do a different show.
Come up with a different concept. Have it be about barbarians or something. Why does it have to be Thundercats? That's my thing. It's this laziness. It's these studios think that, oh, we have an established IP that equals easy money. And they don't put any effort or enough effort into making sure that both sides are happy. The Ghostbusters reboot that came out recently. I watched that shit again with my friend, Matt, and we did a ranting commentary on the extended cut. It was pure pain and torture. The new Ghostbusters with all yes, the chicks? Just absolutely painful. And the main, it's not because it has chicks, it's because it is. It is a film that does not appeal to the hardcore fans and it does not appeal to new fans. It doesn't appeal to anybody except for people who some people actually like it and to each their own. But for the most part, it doesn't appeal to the majority. And that's why it fails. And you're, and it's also an incredibly hard thing to do to make something that new and fresh that appeals to the original uh, fans, but also appeals to new, new fans or people who aren't that familiar with the franchise. Whenever I go into something like a movie or an album or something, I, I try my damnedest and I, I don't normally succeed, but <clears throat> I try my damnedest to just block out all the noise that surrounds the lore and the movie and the controversy and the Twitter. That was hard to do with, with the Ghostbusters reboot. It, it was That's hard. Sure. It was. And I haven't seen <laughs> it. A big surprise. I haven't fucking seen a movie, but... Um, I, I try to do that with everything. I, I do that with classics that everyone reveres, and I do that with movies that everyone pans, except for like movies like The Room. You know, I only watch. Well, I try to do that too. I mean, I recently saw a film called We Are Still Here that had like a buttload of positive reviews, and I watched it, and I was like, I just thought it was okay. Yeah, well, I liked it all right. That's my but opinion on most things, and I feel like. I feel like that's the most sensible opinion, but it's the opinion that doesn't get views and it doesn't get interest. Yeah. Like, that's my opinion on most movies I see. I think, yeah, that was okay. Like, that's how I felt about the new Star Wars movie or the most recent one. That's how I felt about the one before that. I thought, yeah, they're okay. One of the first Star Wars I've ever seen, like the tr original trilogy, I'm like, I, I elevated it a little bit to that was pretty good. There, uh -huh. are, there are like three movies or four movies where I'm like, dude, this movie is fucking awesome. But there's there's more than that for me. But then again, I, I've seen you know, that's your a thing. Lot. I mean, that's your thing for me. Yeah. There, there's a lot of music and bands and artists and but albums. There, there that still is. A, there still is a lot of films, though, that I put in the mediocre category, especially a lot of newer films lately, which is an issue when you have when you're you are striving for mediocrity which seems to be what a lot of uh, Hollywood is doing lately, striving for mediocrity. And that's a problem. Why Why not? Why go any higher? Because they don't have to. Look at something like the new Jumanji movie or some of the suburb stuff or this, The Last Jedi. It could just be as mediocre as humanly possible and people will eat it up and it'll make millions of dollars in the box office. And as long as that continues to happen... They're not going to put their most their utmost effort into into the script or into the story or into any of that. They'll oh, be yeah. as as media they'll make it as mediocre and meh as humanly possible because they know they can get away with it. Yeah, they'll make money and money being the key. Uh, I think it's no longer about the story. It's no longer about adapting the story that the screenwriter wants on film the right way or doing this. I mean, you can have a film that's creative and has a lot of ingenuity, like 
a cure for wellness, but nobody fucking goes to see it. So that doesn't help. But the next fucking Transformers movie makes a billion dollars worldwide. Or the next Fast and the Furious film. Well, see, or that's, anything that's, with the Marvel that's name the attached problem. to it. That's the problem with, with money being a motivating force behind people doing everything. Because it's like, where is the art anymore? I mean, you can see it on YouTube. I know we always end up fucking talking about YouTube. Uh, it's usually my fault, probably. But with YouTube now, I mean, people, if you go to any of these channels that have like over a cup, you know, over, you know, I don't know, say 20,000 subs, they're all doing like the same, like they're formatting their titles the same. They're, you know, mm-hmm. to get the most clickbait out of it. It's like, and nobody dares to do like original sketches or, you know, original skits anymore on their channel or anything like that. If they do it, it's couched in the review. It's not just an original sketch on its own because those videos well, aren't. I mean, Spot Smosh does that, and they yeah. do okay. Yeah, if you're wise. huge, if you're a huge yeah. thing known for that, if you've built that brand over the years, like college humor, or funny or die, you know, yeah, you'll yeah. do that. But like, I'm just saying, like, for me, I started my YouTube channel out to be like a sketch comedy channel where I was gonna do like a bunch of sketches and shit. And there's no views in it. There's no views, and and you feel like you're doing it for nothing. You feel like you're making it for an audience of one, and and it's but that's just like with anything creative. So after a while, you learn that oh, when I play these little clickbait games and I play the the YouTube game of of making my thumbnail look a certain way and titling shit a certain way. Oh, I I'm getting views now. I'm getting attention now, and. Oh, yeah, I'm even making a little bit of money, like, and so the I art just dies at some sa- point. Yeah, I don't want to sacrifice what I want to do and my passion to just appeal to the masses. That's just not how I I run my channel, and I I can understand there are other people who do that's their passion and 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 they do fine because they've established their user base already. But it's incredibly hard to do a lot on YouTube, especially try to get a new uh, more of a fan base because it's there's it's just you get lost in the weeds and then with youtube just promoting the same popular channels all the damn time it's incredible there's not enough subscribers or enough enough views to go around you think you'd think there would be like because if you look at the statistics i think i mean the the amount of uh users on youtube is fucking huge and you know it is. There's but, way more people who don't have YouTube channels and they just use YouTube as yeah. a viewing platform than people yeah. who do have channels. But still, it's like, who's getting all the views? PewDiePie, um, you know, there's all these beauty channels. There's all these other, you know, and they're all like, PewDiePie's in his own world because he, he's kind of got to a point to where he can just kind of do whatever the fuck he wants. And he gets so many like undeserved views because his content is so fucking shitty. It's not funny. It's it's okay. Like it is okay. I have videos that I've done that are so much better than a PewDiePie video. I agree. But you know, but it'll never I'll never get even a cunt hair of what he's gotten. And it's just man, it's all about playing the fucking politics. Well, in the it's game. also well, I mean also with certain review channels, uh with Jeremy Johns and uh Chris Stuckman, it's all about reviewing the same shit and never doing anything obscure and never doing anything like that. You got to review all the popular stuff yeah. and all the new movies, and that's it. And and I just I'm not gonna run my channel like that. Well, I don't I mean, care that's, if I review a movie 
that nobody's heard of and it gets like 200 views i i i, I those are some of my favorite views to do are yeah. the obscure oh films. yeah well that's the whole balance <laughs> is you do you do one for the masses and then you do one for yourself and that's how i try to do my channel although lately some of the videos like my gamecube hdmi the, the video i thought mm -hmm. that video was gonna do gangbusters i had a great thumbnail it was cool yeah, the video was great, you know, and all that shit. My production's getting better. That video did, did jack shit, and I'm like, oh my god, I thought I had it figured out. I guess I, I guess I don't. I, I you know, Clash nope. Royale is a very popular mobile game right now. Uh huh. Thought that there's video just there's just an issue with algorithms also lately. There's even people who are established YouTubers who their their subscribers are like, I don't see your videos. I don't know where they are. What's going on? So. Yeah, it's 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 an effect of YouTube handing a lot of things over to uh, their algorithm and to a computer, and that's prone to glitches and prone to issues. And just like a computer, we can have glitches and we can have issues too. Um, and I'm pretty sure people are like, "Get on with it already! What the hell? This is an unsolved mystery." Oh, podcast. this is some hardcore, <laughs> deep fucking B-roll right here. <laughs> this is this is will by no means touch any anywhere near the meat of our actual podcast. Uh, yeah, this is gonna be out in some crazy orbit somewhere at the end of this podcast. This will be nowhere near the beginning, yeah. but we should get started though, because I, I I gotta yeah. split at like. Well, fuck, it's already... So yeah, this is going to have to be a relatively fast one. Yes. Wow, I'm, I'm like, going to mark this for an edit. I literally just got, like... 4620. I literally just saw... Uh, I just checked my YouTube, and... Uh, I don't even know what to make of this comment. It's on my new video. The guy goes... Uh -huh. He goes, I really don't like your videos for a lot of reasons. Maybe try to remotely smile. Your face is very unapproachable. Ha! <laughs> uh, God damn, that, that's dude. A, that's a polite troll. Yeah, but like it taps into a deep insecurity of mine because like a lot of people I've known personally have told me just in life that I need to smile more and that I, I look very yeah. angry and I look very unapproachable. So this guy's like tapping into like my insecurity and then the dickhead gave it a thumbs down the videos only got eight thumbs up and he he had to make sure he he was the one to give it a thumbs down i know it was him it, it could have it must have been him um welcome to the party pal <laughs> <laughs> i don't like it mike <laughs> i don't like the party I don't either, but you know, but the ones I get, I I find are hilarious. Where they try to give you shit and call you stupid, and then what they're saying is wrong. Like you're a stupid, ignorant twat. Like Stallone directed Rocky. I'm like, no, he didn't. Uh, he directed Rocky two, three, four, and five. Um, not five and and Balboa. Uh, you should uh consider. He's like, you should consider taking a shower sometime. I'm like, you should consider doing some research sometime. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, like God. These people are animals. You're just trying to make free entertainment for people, and and like some of them are bizarre too. Like, there's this guy who I guess he's from overseas, and like he just insulted uh, me and my friend Matt. We did something about uh, Jerry Goldsmith, the composer, and he's just like, this is this is literally what he says. Crikey, these god awful American accents, like scraping nails across a blackboard. <laughs> uh, okay. 
<laughs> I know. So yeah, you get shit like that. It's yeah. you know, it happens. It, it just it, it happens. just it's just rough when they they hit upon a insecurity you already have. It's like they found out they got in somehow. Uh, How- man, like if you if you be, if you end up being a YouTuber for as long as I have, and nothing's gonna phase you. It's been I've been on here for almost a, pretty much a decade. I've seen it all, heard it all. <laughs> Nothing. Have you ever gotten a death threat before? Yeah, I've had one guy say that he's gonna curb stomp me. You know, I, I should curb stomp my face in because I didn't love the omen. Oh my! I God. liked the omen, <laughs> but I didn't love the omen. So that deserves a curb stomp. <laughs> Holy sh! You didn't love this movie. You simply liked it. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I got a lot of shit for like just l- thinking uh, the Force Awakens was okay. I gave it three stars. I liked certain elements of it, but I didn't like other elements. And then like I got like a shit ton of s- s- Force Awakens fanboys and fangirls giving me all kinds of shit. Yeah, I could see that. Who didn't even watch the entire fucking video? I hate it. I could see you. I, I could see the Star Wars people coming after you. Those those people are crazy. All right, let's... we don't really have unsolved mysteries fans getting after us. Yeah, thankfully not yet. Anyway, it's just like people who are <laughs> expecting NPR. Oh, we've had some people. Remember the some people like you're not real fans. <laughs> I barely remember that. They're they're not real fans. I, I that one show. that one doesn't bother me. That comment because it's so fucking untrue that like I just <laughs> yeah. don't even pay it any mind. Like yeah. anyway, I'll get back into this shit here. So, Doyle Wheeler. All right, so the next pick we got is 